you refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast, part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. This is episode number 547, We Salute the Phantom Menace. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Qui-Gon Jinn and Shmi Skywalker. To my Jar Jar Banks, we have Carl Leclerc and Tiara. Welcome back, Tiara. I feel like you should be wearing uh, Padme's massive head throne. Oh, yeah. Misa loved that outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, somebody grab this person some makeup. (laughs) And put put two little dots on your cheeks. Yeah, and some pale pale me out a little bit there, too. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Good luck. You know, um, if you live in the New England area, you're in you're like perpetually uh, pale during this time of year. There's not much sun. So, Mm. (laughs) Um, but we are or if you're just me with, you know, my very you know british and norsk ancestry then you just you're either very pale or burned so <laughs> the sun doing murder to Misa's skin <laughs> we are super excited to be here to talk about some phantom menace um it is of course all year we're going to be celebrating um in the pot in the wampus lair for the 25th anniversary of Phantom Menace coming up this May. Uh, We have lots of fun shows scheduled between now and the end of the year just devoted to Phantom Menace. But we wanted to kick Mm -hmm. things off with just kind of a general discussion of why we love this movie so much. And as much as Jason and I love, love, loving on The Phantom Menace, we also love getting to do it with other friends. And Tiara, you got to play around doing some Phantom Menace quoting with us just last year, not even a year ago, when we uh, all hung out in Arizona together. And uh, yeah, it was just like, oh, well, we obviously have to have Tiara on to talk about why we love Phantom Menace to kick things off. Yeah, I I loved hearing you guys like rehearse as the songs were playing in the background in the car. It was it was magical. It was it was really fun. 
<laughs> oh man it's it happened on the podcast if we go off on tangent it happens every time carl and i hang out together we just quote the movies uh incessantly it's yeah. how we communicate and, um, star and wars, was... the, the, can, can star wars quotes be a love language yes i, I need absolutely okay. yeah 100 percent. without okay, a doubt yeah and uh you know it's you know Jason, in like of, of all the movies we do quote, this is the one we quote the most and in like largest portions. Like we'll throw out yes. original trilogy quotes here and there, but we do full on scenes into full on movie rehear- like rehashes with this one. It is true. Um, and I, I will say I had the Phantom Menace memorized the year it came out in 1999. Like we, I saw it four times in the theaters. By the third time I'd seen it in the theaters, I had it memorized. Um, so it, it's very easy for me to slip into quoting Phantom Menace. Uh, it's just in my brain. It's part of my DNA now. So, <laughs> well, your M count is high. <laughs> your TPM count is high yeah. ah there we go oh for a second there i was like what did i is that like a, a reference <laughs> i don't get and then it's like oh wait here we go yeah 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 tiara's who... phantom menace got it <laughs> TPM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness um so like i said we just wanted to have a uh just general conversation around some of the things we love most about this movie and in true Wampusler fashion, the easiest way for at least Jason and I to organize our notes is just say, hey, let's pick let's pick five things because that'll be easy. And then Tiara comes on and says, well, I have 10. And we're like, OK, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, there will it be so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like recording with Jason in the early days when we would be like, you know, favorite 3PO scenes. And Jason's like, well, it's actually this entire part of the movie. And I'm like, OK, well, that's not a scene. But right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you can cheat here's 35 minutes of the movie so. right why not which is my favorite, you know? is my favorite. yeah <laughs> i um, see nothing wrong with any of this so <laughs> there's no transgression yeah no transgression spotted just observations made so yeah very true very very um, true but you know to to kick off the fun i'll i'm gonna get the conversation started um, that sounded really egotistical. Sorry, but I, I'm you're good. I, I'm going to go to for me. One of the, my favorite things about Phantom Menace is the nostalgia I have attached to this movie. Um, I was 13 years old standing in line for the first time ever. I mean, I, the special editions obviously had come out two years prior, which was my first time seeing Star Wars on the big screen. Um, but going into Phantom Menace just with this crowd of people, like there were even like in my, my relatively smaller town, there were people in line dressed up as Darth Maul. And it's right. This is a character we haven't even met yet beyond just trailers and music videos. And the hype in that line was just unbelievable. And I know I've told this story a million times on the show, so forgive me. But when we were sitting in the theater, right, you, you stand in line for probably what was an hour you sit in the theater for another half hour and then finally when the trailer starts somebody yelled out the first transport is away and then everybody started cheering it was awesome like i will never forget that till the day i die it was one of the most electric experiences of my life um but like also attached to that you know the the build up to this movie 
was like nothing I'd known before. You know, you got the action mm-hmm. figures and the soundtrack um, essentially two weeks before the movie came out. Uh, so yep. I was able to like go play with the toys beforehand. I was able to listen to the music beforehand. So it was like you could almost get immersed in the story before getting immersed in the story. Um, <laughs> yes. And and like one of my fondest memories in all of my early Star Wars experiences was also just pretending to reenact the duel of the fates with my two cousins. You know, they the Phantom Menace line, as far as I know, was the first time we got really actually pretty well made plastic lightsabers like that actually had thick sabers that wouldn't fly apart when you played with them for a while. <laughs> and I just remember recreating that duel of the fates in the basement of my cousin's house. And we broke a lamp and my older cousin just saying to my aunt, and he's like, listen, we're battling the, the light in the dark. There's nothing we can do about it. So, um, you know, it was uh, I just there's just such a fondness for me in this movie. Um, so that was the first thing I wanted to to give mention to. Um, but what about for you, Tiara? Yeah, I mean, like, Star Wars has always been around since I've been, like, an infant. My dad loves <laughs> Star Wars. He had, like, his collection. Um, you know, mom didn't like that, whatnot. But um, I remember my cousin, which who I was really close with, he had, you know, the thing, I don't know what it's called, but like the droid that Darth Maul has that he sends out like that mm. big black circle with the so antenna. The, the, yeah, the there, was a, there was a toy that had like discs that would shoot out. And so if you had like a saver, like a toy saver, you could like train oh, with man, it. That's so cool. Um, so my cousin had it and we would like go in the backyard or like back porch and we would like play with it. I had no idea what it was at the time. I just knew that it was fun. And then eventually my dad and my cousin sat me down and we watched the movie and I was like, oh my God, I love this so much. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so like that's, I had like a pre Phantom Menace kind of intro before I actually watched it. So, um, I mean, I, I really love Phantom Menace a lot. I mean, recently I've been rewatching it and I think it's become like my favorite of the prequels. Like I kind of mm. go back and forth between Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith just because the nostalgia of seeing that one in the movie theater because I wasn't quite old enough to see the Phantom Menace in the movie theater when it came out. So, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, and do you remember awesome. when your dad showed you the movie for the first time? Was it with a VHS or a DVD? Do you remember? I think it was. I think it was a CD. Maybe v- we had both. He okay. had both, but I don't remember. Okay. I think I think it was CD. Yeah, I okay. was like six, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, Phantom Menace, <laughs> the last one officially released on VHS. Uh, uh, Attack of the Clones uh, was also released. No, on no, that's VHS. right. They did. Yep. They did. But it was primarily pitched DVD. DVD yep. I do remember that. Yeah. They. They were really pushing that back in the day. Yeah. Um, God, the nostalgia with Phantom Menace is huge. I just want to comment on that before I give one of the things I, I love so much about this movie, because the nostalgia is, I mean, the, there was no other hype around a movie that I have ever experienced like the Phantom Menace. Mm. Just everything. The hype with the toys, all the products. You could not walk down <laughs> any aisle in the grocery store without finding something phantom menace related uh it was on kleenex boxes it was on band-aids uh food items had star wars stickers on it i I kid you not you could not get you could not escape the phantom menace in 1999 it was everywhere which i loved um but yeah i just had to comment on that but one of the things i love so much about the Phantom Menace, and I'm going to get this one out of the way first, because 
um, I, I don't have as much to gush about it as I will the other things, is the technical advances that mm. George Lucas did with mm. the Phantom Menace. Mm. Because, you know, obviously he's he's talked about how he used the prequels a lot to push the boundaries of movie making in general. And, you know, the, the big one that we hit with the Phantom Menace is obviously CGI. Uh, and Jar Jar Binks in particular being the first main character that's computer animated in film. Uh, and, you know, Jar Jar walked so Gollum could run. Uh, you know, <laughs> everybody talks about Gollum, but Jar Jar came first. Um, Jar Jar Binks and Ahmed Best did it first, folks. Um, Andy Serkis is brilliant and fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But. Ahmed's the OG. Uh, Ahmed and George, the OG with George R. Banks. But yeah, I, they, the spectacular advances that he was able to, to start making with the Phantom Menace that he then obviously took forward with the next two prequel movies as well, just in terms of movie making, was something I always found fascinating because not only was it a movie I absolutely loved in terms of the story and the characters and everything like that, but it's also changing the way that people make movies. Um, and that's something that the, that parallel line that George liked to walk with the star Wars movies was always fascinating to me. So, uh, that's one of the things I've, I've always enjoyed about the Phantom Menace. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I never even think about that stuff because that's not an avenue of star Wars. I get particularly excited about in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. like, like that light and magic, uh, documentary series they put out on Disney plus last year. I st- still haven't even watched any of it because that's not the side of star Wars that particularly gets me excited and no, no shade on those who love that stuff. Um, but that is a really great and important point about Phantom Menace, Jason, right? Like mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings were huge shortly after Phantom Menace came out, but George opened the doors for all of those movies. And what's funny yep. to me is you look at this movie that's now 25 years old and I'll I'll watch like some of the new Marvel movies, and it's like, why is the CGI no better now in this Marvel movie than it was in Phantom Menace? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yes. And yeah, shots fired up. at Marvel. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Phantom Menace holds up. I mean, they, they've done some a little bit of enhancing over the years yeah. as they you know get higher quality you know per, you know copies of it with you know 4K and all that stuff, a little bit of enhancing, but it holds up uh, remarkably well. So yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Challenge anybody to tell me otherwise. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, I. Sorry, Tara. Did you want to say anything? Any, no, you're fine. Like, um, I was just thinking, like, as you guys were talking, I I was born in '98, so I was one <laughs> when it came out. Just to give some perspective yeah. as to like why I watched it when I was six, but um, yeah. So like because of that, I'm sh- I don't I don't remember if my dad went to go see it in movie theaters. I'm sure that he did. Um, but yeah, just putting that perspective out there as you guys are like oh i went to go do this and i was in line and i'm like i really wish i was born at that time i wish i was seven at that time so i could have gone and done that <laughs> i i was turning 10 at the time like the the phantom menace came out was it i forget it was the the 19th yep yeah of may yeah an, so yeah. i had just turned 10 five days earlier um so Star Wars uh, was always like my birthday thing when the per- when the prequels came out. Uh, it was the easiest thing in the world to say, all right, we're all going to go see Star Wars for my birthday. 
uh, when Star Wars was coming out. So that was the easiest birthday to plan uh, when Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith were coming out. So yeah. uh, I, I miss the fact that Star Wars doesn't come out in May anymore. Thanks, yeah. Disney. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's nice around Christmas time because I also love Christmas, but I, it was my birthday. It was your thing. <laughs> yeah, well, and they kind of just took that from you. Yeah, and you they did. Sh- they and stole sh- it. You share your birthday with George Lucas too, which is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I do. Do you really? I, I do. May fourteenth. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> it, it was. It was fated. It was destiny. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> Well, just to make you both feel young, I was 13 when it came out. So, yeah. So, there's that. <laughs> um, going on, going on we're, 14. We're all Tiara. Yeah. We are all. Yeah. Um, but I will. But to that point, though, I think that's why all three of us fall into the camp where we really love this movie, right? I think the people that had the biggest issues with this movie were adults now, right? These were, these were the people who were our age when the originals came out, right? They were between Mm -hmm. seven and 12 years old and loved the magic and wonder of those movies. And then Phantom Menace was just, it was a different type of story. And it was one that really, really told a more lighthearted childish story. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think for and it makes sense like these the people that were really bitter about it they were all those college age kids and co- as somebody who works with college kids a lot because that's my job uh college kids have really strong opinions you know because they're coming into that age of life where they're forming really solid opinions for themselves they're learning how to back up the things that they hold in value uh so they they have to they have really strong feelings around that and i think that the fans who really took issue with Phantom Menace they were at that age. They were at that age where they were expecting something, didn't get what they were expecting, and therefore had to like have really strong, <laughs> aggressive yeah. opinions about it. It's also the age when uh, when stuff isn't cool anymore, mm. and so you have to be really vehement about how uncool the stuff that you used to be into really was. So, I mean... I was the weird one who never grew out of stuff like that. So, but I had friends who definitely did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is why I love you so much, Jason. (laughs) Um, I'm just a kid. (laughs) Yeah, you and me both. (laughs) Um, But that actually leads to the next thing I wanted to mention uh, for me, for what I love so much about this movie is its sense of wonder and innocence. Um, Mm. This is, always been a staple of that movie for me that that works so well um and and from like a mythical aspect phantom menace really does a good job of being our garden of eden story if you will you know it's this kind of it's where the whole story begins you know all the all the monikers leading into the movie right every legend has a beginning every saga has a first step or whatever right it's it's very much trying to establish this is the first part of our story well and Mm -hmm. like the you know the the greatest myth in western culture is the story of eden it mirrors that in the sense of this is a, this is a galaxy in a state of peace um, for them, except for, you know, this this small dispute, of course, that's disrupting that peace and goodness. Um, this movie really gives you that sense that all is right with the world. And, um, you know, I, I the the moments that I really feel that and anchored in that is really when we start spending time at Shmi's house. Um <laughs> 
that little like lunch scene that they have. There's just mm-hmm. there's something about the comfort and the care in that moment. I mean, these are essentially just strangers who come into her house and within five minutes, they all just seem like a little family. You know, it, it, it kind of invites you as the audience to, to just settle into this story, to be part of this story and be part of its life. Um, and there's something very comforting there. Uh, I've, I mean, I love all of this stuff here on Tatooine. Um, and, and then there's this sense of just like wonder and awe. And, you know, the swim to Auto Gunga to me encapsulates that so perfectly. You know, that you've got that beautiful choir singing. You've got this sense of like, oh, man, look at this beautiful light bubble city that just expands into the horizon, you know, underwater. Mm-hmm. It's just so awe-inspiring. And then all the way to Anakin saying, I want to be the first one to see them all, right? It, it really... It's yeah. this story where the galaxy has yet to be jaded, that there is this sense that everything's going to be OK and that our story is going in the right direction. So I've I've always loved this aspect of Phantom Menace. Yeah, I mean, I like kind of like what you said, I think it has like a very like dreamer like esque aesthetic to it right like Anakin's like I want to go and like venture and see it all and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are kind of like on their missions like exploring their dynamic together but also like trying to be their own individuals and then we also see the Jedi Council and it's like Mm. where are they gonna go like there's very much like dreamer and like purpose like what am I gonna do with my future what do I want to do with my future um so yeah yeah piggybacking off of it <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna piggyback off of it too because the the innocence factor is also uh one of the things i wanted to talk about is one of the things on my list that I, I wanted to make sure to hit because you know carl you and i have talked about this before on the podcast uh because it is it, it does have that sense of innocence and it's obviously the innocence is encapsulated primarily in the characters of anakin and jar jar but you also have Padme, who is a very fresh, you know, queen and is is learning, uh, you know, how to to rule under circumstances that she was not prepared for. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is, you know, it, it's finding the strength in all of that. And the, the the one of the lines I was I was thinking back on the movie, and one of the lines that sort of really encapsulates is all this sense of innocence to me. Other than I want to be the first one to see them all, is that lunch scene. When Anakin looks across at his mother and he says, you say the biggest problem in this universe is nobody helps each other. And like that he's boiled everything down, all the problems, all the the, the issues that the galaxy has, the galaxy at large has. The, it's boiled down to this simple thing of nobody helps each other. Mm. And and he wants to do that. He wants to help people. Um, and, think, and real quick, just oh, as you're saying that, just want to interject because I've never thought of this before, but how much that contrasts with boss NASA's um, stance about the Naboo earlier in the movie. Like we don't care about yeah. them. They do their thing. Right. We do it right. So completely ignorant of Obi-Wan's concept of symbiosis, right? right. Uh, Anakin, right. Anakin's offering the antidote to that, that apathy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's what drives him and it's what drives Qui-Gon. It's what drives Padme uh, with her focus on, on wanting to help her people, you know, and it's this, this beautiful thing. And the, the whole movie is obviously this is it's not a perfect galaxy, but it's about as idyllic as it's going to be. And then, of course, the tragedy of the prequels is what happens to that sort of that innocence and that idealism and, and all of that. Uh, and and 
you know, that's that's the story that we get that brings up the Galactic Empire later. Um, but we have to start somewhere. You know, you can't a tragedy can't start from the gutter. It has to start somewhere wonderful mm-hmm. in order for the fall to really be impactful. Uh, and and we really get to sort of see and explore and enjoy all of that in the Phantom Menace. And that's part of why I really love the innocence of, of it all. Yeah. Um, so. What's another Tiara, one? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's another one from your list? You <laughs> both just like jump at you there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. Pull out your double bladed no, lightsaber. <laughs> um, no, when you were talking about like the sense of innocence, I I really love Shmi. I really love mm. her character. Like yeah. this the scene that almost brings me to tears every single time I watch it is when Shmi and Anakin Careful. are saying goodbye to each mm. other. And what she says, like, don't look back, don't look back, like follow your dreams, do what you need to do. And like her character and just like her as a mother, I just, I love watching her because we see the heart that Anakin has and he gets it from her. And I don't know if you've, you guys have read Brotherhood, right? Like when you read oh, Brotherhood, yeah. you kind of hear the quotes that Shmi instilled in him. And it's just like, every time I watch that scene now, I'm just like, what more what other quotes have we not heard of that Shmi like instilled in him and that gave him his heart and that we see consistently throughout the entire like prequel series. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Shmi uh. is wonderful. And, and you, I have to be careful because that still that scene with the music and everything and that last shot of her standing all by herself is, it gets me every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God. Yeah. You know, uh. Carl, don't don't play the music, Carl. Oh. Stop it. So I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're implying. <laughs> oh, man. Um, when I was watching the movie uh, just, geez, an hour ago, um, I, I paused it really quick because I love that. Sh- that I mean, again, the way George sets up shots are so great. Um, but it's that shot of Anakin stopping and you get it's a direct line, right? You have Qui-Gon on the left, Anakin in the middle, Shmi on the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that yeah. moment, it's this moment of hesitation where Anakin really is, he's stuck between two really, like two good choices. And the, you know, neither way he goes is particularly wrong, right? Staying right. with his mother isn't really wrong. Going with Qui-Gon certainly isn't wrong. So it's kind of this beautiful place where I, I summed it, I summed it up. I, I was really proud of myself with the way I quoted it in my, in the Instagram story, which is he's caught between his dreams and his home, right? Like, what do you do then? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's quite the tension. It yeah. is. It's, it's not a bad choice, but it is a choice. Yeah. One yeah. that, one that, you know, you can't go back to. Right. Whichever yeah. one you do. So. Well, it's like Qui-Gon says, you know, training to be a Jedi is, is, is not an easy challenge. No. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so. Exactly. Oh, just like Ahsoka tells Sabine. Oh, look at that parallelism. <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> um, so uh, funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, Tiara, what's another one for you? Um, I know that like in the original trilogy, we see like Yoda and Luke and kind of goes like explaining the force introduces us to it. But my one of my favorite scenes, another one is when Qui-Gon takes Anakin's blood, but he as he's doing it, he's like explaining what the force is. And I can't quote it word for word, but like how he describes what the force is in that moment. I'm just like, yeah, 
Like, if I had to describe the force, that'd be it. Like, that makes sense. Like, if he was my teacher, I'd be like, oh, okay, like, I definitely understand what this is now. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's another one. Are you thinking mind. about the the moment when he's talking to him about what the midichlorians are? Yes. Yeah. And um, he also says something about, oh, this is going to bother me. I have to find it now. Keep talking. <laughs> While you look it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I think I just got confused for a second because when he takes his blood, I don't think he's really telling him much about the force. Um, is that on the platform? Are you thinking of the platform Maybe I'm right before? Of a different scene. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the platform scene, not the. Yeah. Okay. No, you're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Master no. sir, I, I've been wondering yeah. what are midichlorians? Are midichlorians? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Microscopic cells that live inside you. They yeah, live yeah, inside yeah. me. Inside, inside your cells. Yeah. Yes. And they are symbionts with us. Symbionts. Symbionts. <laughs> Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Yes. Without the yeah. midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would yep. have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. Heck yeah. Boom. There we go. <laughs> Boom. But that's the one, yes. I don't understand. With time and training, honey, you will. You will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it is good because it, it, it gives us another aspect of the Force. You know, Yoda gives us some very philosophical stuff. Uh, Obi-Wan is, is very practical. Um, and Qui-Gon takes it to another level where he says it's, it's symbiotic with us. And it uses these things called Medichlorians to communicate with us. So, um, and it, obviously if, as we have learned throughout other parts of star Wars, if your M count is high enough, then you have really good communication with the force. Uh, so, um, yeah. But yeah, Dude. no, but it's just another another aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I never I never understood the vitriol directed at the Medichlorians. I just want to put that out there uh, because it it got it was heated back in the day about the Medichlorians. I think that's pretty well died out by this point. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, I never understood it because it's just like, no, this is just another aspect of it. It's not the force itself. Right. It's the thing that helps you communicate with the force. Yeah. So. Well, I think that was just the big misconception is people chose to say, oh, it's the force. And it's like, it's very explicitly not the force. <laughs> like it's, it's right. stated very explicitly, but folks chose to hear it a certain way and just run with it. Um, but Tiara, I'm curious, like, what is it about that moment? And then, and that, that particular description of the force that y- you appreciate so much. I think it's like just how he, because Anakin's like really, really curious, right, about the world and like what he's getting himself into and like what the Jedi are all about. Um, and I just, I just like his description of like it's a symbiotic. What, what do you call it? Sim- How did you describe it, Jason? It's a symbiotic. It's a symbiotic like, relationship. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 Mutual, mutual yeah. advantage. I just I like that because when we look at the Jedi Council, I just feel like that kind of disappears. Um, like with them, mm. like. It's not as I don't want to say natural anymore. It's it's more mm. like obviously influenced by politics, but it's just it's just so it's just raw. It's just like what the raw force is, like taking outside of like what it is to be a Jedi, just like how the force flows around everyone. And I think Qui-Gon's very in tune with that. And it's not as diluted for him as it is for everyone else. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. Um Yeah. The the Jedi Council, uh get so wrapped up in other complicated matters. They sometimes forget. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think anybody who, you know, 
anybody who masters something uh, can sometimes forget the simplest parts of whatever they're mastering if they're focused too much on the the complicated aspects. So yeah, uh, I, it's I'm, life. <laughs> I'm really excited for the uh, John Jackson Miller novel. I think it's called Living Force that comes out April 9th, which takes place just oh. prior to the events of Phantom Menace, yes. and it's kind of like. Okay. Qui-Gon challenging them to go essentially have a quest to encounter the living force, I believe is essentially yes. the, yeah. I, I read an article, a snippet of it. Um, when I have issues with Mace Windu, but like in this particular snippet that I read, he wasn't being such a butt face. Um, <laughs> so I, really that. Um, I took a snip, a snapshot, a snip, snap. I can't screenshot. Screenshot. <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> um, he says, it seems we have been given a challenge, May said, with no little amusement after the doors closed behind Qui-Gon. I can't imagine how improving lives never occurred to us. Like that quote. Wow. I was like, this is like showing how far you yeah. went from like be- what it means to be a Jedi. And like Qui-Gon is that like catalyst to like really like quiet your mind. Like remember who you are. Remember what our purpose is as a Jedi. So, yeah. yeah. Can I just... Uh, can I just say, because I'm just going to interject then, because the next thing I wanted to talk about of why I love this movie so much is simply Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> um, I mm, think I think he I is. Yeah. I mean, he's probably whew, the greatest Jedi of the prequel era. Um, and I mean mm. that even over Yoda. Like, I love Yoda, but I th- Yoda is too, too uh immersed in the politics both of the republic and the jedi order uh whereas qui-gon and this is what i love so much about his character he is the maverick jedi right everybody's he's had that title for years now um because he his full allegiance is to the living force that is he is a student of the living force he is always on the lookout of the will of the force that is his primary concern it trumps any mandate of the council um, which is why he's not on the council, right? I mean, even quite or Obi-Wan points it out. Um, and you would uh, just follow their instructions. You would be on the council and you, you never asked Obi-Wan if Qui-Gon wanted to be on the council. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and if you've, if you've read <laughs> Claudia Gray's master and apprentice, of course you learn that he was given a opportunity to join the council, but he turns it down to stay with Obi-Wan, um, yep. which is, which is pretty rad. Um, but all that to say, I, I, I love Qui-Gon Jinn. I love that he is um, in a world of rigid, dom- dogmatic Jedi religion. He is the free spirit. He is the one who is spiritual, not religious, to use a modern moniker. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I think what's really lovely about him is he obviously still believes in the order. It's not like he he leaves like he's not Dooku. Um, he is able to reconcile, obviously, the tension he feels with the council's shortcoming and the goodness that the Jedi order still represents to the galaxy. And I think, you know, Qui-Gon staying off the council is the best thing for him because it gives him that freedom to always be attentive to the will of the force. Um, And he's the one who discovers Anakin, you know, for better or for worse. He's the one who's always open to the way that the force speaks. Um, I think, I mean, he is the most spiritual character in the prequel trilogy. And right in part, that's, that's, on purpose, you know, by the time we get to Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, 
the Jedi are nothing really more but than superheroes at that point. Like the Force is just a power they have, right? Like I've always I've always loved that line in Last Jedi when when Rey defines the the Jedi as the people that have the Force because gives them powers, and Luke's just like every word you just said is wrong, <laughs> um, right? Like he, he's trying to get to the root of what Jedi are actually supposed to be and what the force actually is. And I think Qui-Gon exemplifies that in this era of dogmatic Jedi. Qui-Gon is the voice of the spirit, the one challenging them to be better, to be more open to the will of the force rather than the will of the council. Um, so I, I just love that about his character. Yeah. Um, I I didn't have Qui-Gon specifically on my list, but I did have the Jedi Order uh, on my list. <laughs> hey, hey, you hey. <laughs> he's part of that. Don't get don't don't come at me. Don't come at me, Kiara. Um, but you know, it is one of the things I do love about the Phantom Menace is the fact that we really do get to see the Jedi Order um, in their prime. And obviously, you know, coming from you know when I first saw the Phantom Menace. All I had was the original trilogy, and it's like, well, we have the remnants of the Jedi starting all over again. Um, but what what did they look like when they were at their prime, when they were at their peak? And I think more so than even like Attack of the Clones, the Phantom Menace gives us a glimpse as to what as to what the Jedi really were. They were going out. They were the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. They're not perfect. Nobody is, but they really are the guardians of peace and justice. They're going out, they're helping people. And along the way, you know, on this mission, they're still open, you know, with Qui-Gon, you know, open to other things that pop up, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like Anakin Skywalker, uh, potentially the chosen one. So uh, all these, all these things. And, you know, uh, just also from an aesthetic, cool perspective, just seeing the Jedi in action, with their lightsabers and everything like that for the first time that we would the opening sequence on the trade federation battleship uh when when the battle droids come for qui-gon and obi-wan at the beginning uh when i first saw that as a kid my mouth was just hanging open my jaw was on the floor i was like this is the coolest thing ever and then it got better throughout the whole movie um as we you know get to ultimately the duel of the fates um mm-hmm. by the end of it it was just like it went from oh this is the coolest thing ever to mind blown by the end of the movie <laughs> in terms of just the coolness of the jedi action so uh I, I i can't not include that in my whole yes this is why i like the jedi order in the phantom menace because it is just freaking cool so <laughs> yeah what a what, it's so yeah what do you what are you thinking with this tiara with the jedi i'm just sad that you didn't choose qui-gon as like one of your topics still i'm still very much on that um i mean i loved <laughs> seeing the jedi order but my favorite my favorite is watching qui-gon because he's he's just so opposite of me like his character like it's what i would like to be but mm. i'm not and i just i love how he makes everyone pause and just relax and just like try and stay in the present like he tells obi-wan like don't think about the future at the expense of the present yeah um and then <laughs> one of my other favorite scenes is when he like touches jar jar on his shoulder and like jar jar mm. just like melts and like becomes <laughs> like super like less spazzy <laughs> um so i mean i mean i you love watching the jedi council but i 
what I watch Phantom Menace for is for Qui-Gon and not so much the Jedi Council, but I loved seeing them too. I think I have like beef with them just because they were so critical with Anakin when he was doing like the testing. Um, So that was just like a big turnoff for me. I'm just like, I don't much care for this Jedi Council right now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because when I think back to, which is obviously a little hard to do to think back to like 13 year old Carl's mind. But, you know, I think probably as fans, it's easier to become more critical in hindsight of the council, even in Phantom Menace, because we see what they kind of get up to Mm. and attack of the clones through the clone wars, through revenge of the Sith. Like we see how far they really fall. Um, I mean, except for really their kind of cold judgment of Anakin in that scene. Um, I actually like, I'm, I'm glad you both wanted to bring this up because, uh, it almost made my list just in general. Like I loved seeing the Jedi kind of in their prime and, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, Jason, like the opening of this movie is it, it, Phantom Menace has my favorite opening act of any star Wars movie. I just love it. It's, it grabs me right away. And for its time, like I, when Newt Gunray, you know, exclaims, this is impossible. Like, that's the whole point. Right. Nothing's impossible for Jedi. Um, you know, so yeah. you, you have this sense of like these swashbuckling heroes. Um, and then when you get to Coruscant and you see them in their temple, you see that they are um, they they have a tremendous responsibility throughout the galaxy. Um, and and they need people like Qui-Gon because, you know, I realized like the one thing I didn't mention more explicitly about Qui-Gon that I should be mentioning is he's one of the most compassionate characters in star Wars, you know, um, mm, like, yeah. yes, he initially is very dismissive of Jar Jar, but in no time at all, like he, he kind of recognizes his mistake, brings Jar Jar in, you know, later when Obi-Wan's like, Oh, I, why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? You know, mm. it, Qui-Gon has found Anakin the way he deals with Shmi like putting his hand on her shoulder is one of the sexiest yes. moments in Star Wars um <laughs> like it's so good um and and regardless of I mean, any sort of heated let, chemistry or let, not let's it's, be honest if we had if if any of us had parents in Star Wars we'd want it to be Qui-Gon and Shmi absolutely right? yes yes, yes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> um, but but there's just such a, you know, there is such a tender care of him when he says, you know, when he, yeah. she's obviously like he's taking her world away. He knows that. Um, yeah. And when he says, will you be all right? Um, like it's it's a the, I mean, also Liam Neeson's an incredible actor, but just the way he yeah. delivers that line. There's a genuine yeah. care there. Will you be OK? And when he puts that hand of comfort on her, you know, I'll look after him. You have my word. Um, you know, it's 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 him ensuring her that Anakin's going to be OK. Um, you know, it's it's this really, really beautiful moment. And even, you know, when they're leaving the house, that moment we talked about a few minutes ago that breaks all of our hearts in the best ways. Qui-Gon yeah. stops. He senses Anakin's hesitation and stops and turns. He doesn't say to him, hurry up. He doesn't. He just stands and waits almost as if he is also willing to accept if Anakin chooses differently. Right. Um, yeah. There's just such a compassion to Qui-Gon that that is so understated. Maybe it's not understated. Yeah, it's well stated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very well yes. stated. <laughs> it is. Yeah, he just, like, lets people be. He just lets people be their authentic self. And, like, when they're struggling, he's, like, right there with his hand on their shoulder, yeah. metaphorically yeah. and physically speaking. So, yeah, I, I like I like how you said, like, he was tearing her world away. But even so, he was, like, 
I'm, I'm still here for you. Like, what do you need? Are you going to be okay? Like genuinely concerned for that. Um, even though like, you know, he, he wanted Anakin to come with him to the council. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh man. Boy. Uh, is it, is it back to me then now? I think so. I don't know. I've got two more left. I don't know how many you've got, Carl. Me as well. I know Tiara's still got like eight, but um (laughs) (laughs) more like specific scenes and I'm like, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's so that's so great. We we'll we'll dive we'll 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 hit hit those towards the end here. Um but the so the next one I wanted to mention, and this may have a crossover with you, Jason, but it it is the soundtrack, just in general. Uh Phantom Menace soundtrack is Second only to Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars score. Um, and, and if I'm being 100% honest, when it comes to just sitting down and listening to it from start to finish, Phantom Menace probably just edges out Empire Strikes Back for me. Um, but there's just something so beautiful about the the music in this um, soundtrack. I mean, George gave us a whole new type of Star Wars story here. Visually, um, the choices he makes in the the writing... Um, but so does John Williams. John Williams, like this is still very much Star Wars music, but it's it's very different Star Wars music. Um, what I was noticing, I listened to the soundtrack this morning while I was working. And what really caught me again is just there's a lot of um, I, I wish, you know, uh, our friend Ashton was with us again here, Jason, to to speak more intelligently to music stuff. But when I listen to the Phantom Menace soundtrack, there's a lot of horns in it. And horns are like, you know, they're instruments of royalty. They're instruments of nobility, which makes sense. I mean, we're hanging out with queens. We're hanging out with, you know, idyllic Jedi. Um, so the score itself, there's there's also an openness and a breeziness. And I'm using general terms in part because I don't have the technical terms to use, but in part because that's just how that music makes me feel. There's something very mm-hmm. uplifting and bright and charming and wonderful, even in the, the, the nature of the music itself. Um, there's something about it that makes you feel safe. That's that makes you feel like the adventure is always worth going on, that it's, it's a fun adventure, right? Um, you know, contrast that to the music from Andor. And this isn't a way to like slam Andor, but just to say, these are very different types of stories, right? But like the music of Andor, it's very gritty and dark and heavy, but then you listen to Phantom Menace yeah. and everything's bright and open. Um, and also with the soundtrack, it, it was, it was released on May 4th, 1999. So again, about two weeks before the movie came out. Also really cool that it was released on star Wars day. Um, of course, Before with star the soundtrack is officially a thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> and with the soundtrack, of course, we all got spoiled with the title of the track Qui-Gon's noble end. We all knew Qui-Gon was going to die because <laughs> the soundtrack told us two weeks before the movie came out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I loved the hype around it. I mean, they made a music video for duel of the fates. Now, a lot of fans probably forget. I mean, I only knew this in hindsight because I wasn't alive in 1983, but they did make a music video on MTV for Lapty Neck from Jabba's Palace. Um, But MTV also wasn't what it quite was in 1999. You know, you had MTV's TRL, which was all the rage to high schoolers, to college kids in in the late 90s. And Duel of the Fates was on TRL for several weeks in a row. You had a Star Wars music video, you know, bopping around with Britney Spears and uh, sync. Like, it was great. What a great time to be alive. Oh, God. Yeah, Um, I was just thinking that those literal (laughs) words were going through my head. Again, I wish I was there so I could have been more, like, included in those times to be a part of it. Uh, I'm a little salty that you guys got to do that. (laughs) 
But um, well, but, you if know, it's any constellation, Tiara, I, I was not allowed to watch MTV at that age. Um, you know, so I I only knew about all of that in hindsight. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well I was I was hitting it maybe one more time, and uh, just you know I remember recording like the TRL special on VHS while it was on TV. You know that I and they showed like footage from the. Force Friday uh, Toys R Us release party in New York City. So you'd you had all this fanfare just even around the soundtrack. And um, and I, one thing I still kick myself for having not kept in my collection. Um, I should just go to eBay because I could probably find it. But I still don't know why I got this in the mail. It was probably because I was part of the Star Wars fan club with the Star Wars Insider back then. <laughs> but about a month before the Phantom Menace soundtrack came out, I got a postcard in the mail with just the Phantom Menace, you know, uh, Drew Struzan poster art um, promoting the CD soundtrack, like telling you like next month, be sure to pick it up. And I always love that. I was like, cool. I like, I love that. I even had like an advance notice of it. Um, so yeah, there was just, there was also just like this, this excitement around the soundtrack itself. And I remember just as soon as I bought that going home and like my dad had like a really nice sound system with his stereo and just like blasting duel of the fates and running around the house, pretending that I was, you know, a Jedi Knight. Um, it was so much fun. Oh man. I, I, yes, the, the music <laughs> is definitely one of the things I love about the Phantom Menace the most. Um, it, because it is so good. It is my favorite soundtrack in all of Star Wars. Um, hands down, no questions asked. Uh, it, it it was the first CD I ever owned. It was which was a gift to me for my birthday that year. Uh, so yeah, it was it was an epic uh, soundtrack. I played it every day for so long. Uh, I, I, it got to the point where my mom was like, okay, we need to put something else in now. Like I, I want to listen to something else. Uh, so, uh, and then, you know, I'd, I'd let things go for a day or two and then I'd put it back. Um, but <laughs> I just want a little, yes. I want, I, I wish I was creative enough to do this, but just do like a claymation short of like little Jason just standing next to a stereo with his mom saying, let's put something else on. And he just goes, yeah. and then duel yeah. the face starts <laughs> as he presses the play button. <laughs> Just like little, yes. little claymation, Jason. <laughs> what? What? One more? One more? Yeah. Like, um, oh my gosh! But yeah, no. It, 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 and part of why I like the soundtrack so much, it, it love the soundtrack so much. It, obviously, it, it's it's a fantastic John Williams Star Wars score, and I do think it is the best one. At least it's my favorite one mm. um, out of all of his scores. Um, but it's also the score that put me you know on the path to loving film music and classical music in general so like this is this score not only as it it is defining for me in star wars itself but it's defining for me in my love of an entire genre of music Mm. um so it it's what set me off onto why i like orchestral scores and classical music and stuff like that so um definitely is extremely high on my list of of why i like the phantom why i love the phantom menace so much i keep using the word like when i mean love i don't know why that is (laughs) but um yeah no the score is is absolutely breathtaking and amazing and uh duel the fates is you know forever will be one of the 
standout tracks of the entire Star Wars saga. Uh, hands down. So it's quite yes. good. <laughs> um, Tiara, what are your thoughts on the soundtrack? Yeah, um, I mean, when I watched it when I was younger, I know when like music is good, or not like just subjectively to myself, but um, <laughs> like when you get chills from music. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, just like when you get chills from watching a certain scene and you know that the music is just contributing it to so well, um, it just like it makes the scene so much more like engrossed not engrossing just like you just get yeah. sucked into it. i don't Absolutely. know the word for it um and when i was watching duel of the faith obviously like that's that's a, that's a really great one um i know after i watched the phantom menace um me and my cousin like yourself with your cousin would like fight and we would play that in the background <laughs> and um it's just, so, just things like that like music is so important and i love that you had ashton on because i love how he breaks it down and tells us like how it's influencing the mood of the scene how it's influencing us as the audience right so um so i I really love the soundtrack because of how i can't get the word when you're like really intrigued by something invested not invested like like you forget everything else around you Mm. right it's just you in that scene sure yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's I just mean, like that concept. Yeah. <laughs> like everything else just fades away because because of the music, because of how well yeah. the music is written. And it's also so poetic. Like we have the end celebration scene where Emperor Palpatine's song is also embedded in there, right? Like things yeah. like that. So right. it's 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 amazing. Um quick round robin before we leave the soundtrack. Jason, what's your favorite uh track off of the Phantom Menace soundtrack? Uh it uh, I have to say Duel of the Fates, um, but the track, and I forget the name of it, from the uh, the extended soundtrack, the complete soundtrack, where uh, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul have their first duel on Tatooine is also, for whatever reason, that one plays in my head rent-free sometimes, too. So that one, Duel of the Fates, and Augie's Grand Municipal Band. I gave you three. I know that's not. No, I love one, it. I, this but, is the Jason I remember uh, from the early days when you ask him a very, <laughs> very direct question and he just gives you tons of stuff around it, too. I love it. Um, I'm not mad about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that piece it is really like, good, though. It's such like a, like a little punch, but you're like, just genuinely, like, yeah, this is my, this is my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What about for you, uh, Tiara? What's your favorite piece of music from the uh, Phantom Menace? I'm, I'm extremely basic. It's probably Duel of the Fates. I don't know if I'm thinking of it correctly because I just watched an hour ago and I feel like I forget some of the scenes just like <laughs> I did with the midichlorian one. Um, but if there's a song that plays when Anakin is saying goodbye to his mother, mm, like whatever oh. whatever is playing at that time, yeah, yeah, yeah. that like would be like very close second. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, that piece is uh, only on the extended soundtrack. Um, and the, the title mm. of that track is Anakin is Free. It's It's my favorite it's probably my favorite track on that extended score, but my favorite track and favorite piece of music introduced in Phantom Menace is Anakin's theme. I love that track so much. I love, and I'm, Oh my gosh, I keep forgetting that. I just got to hear that again live in concert just back in uh, September when I went to that star Wars concert at the pops. Oh, 
It's so good to hear it live too. Yeah, I I love Anakin's theme. You know, this is what Jason and I are perfect compliments because for all the action and bombastic music Jason loves, I want all those romantic slow pieces. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh, we man. get the whole balanced. thing. Yeah, yeah, balanced. yeah. <laughs> balance to the force. Bombastic the rises and romance to meet it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Tiara, give us another one uh, of your favorite things about The Phantom Menace. Sure. Um, I really, so I know in the original trilogy, we didn't get to see too much of like the Sith, kind of like Darth Vader was Darth Vader, and we have Emperor Palpatine, who's kind of like in the shadows, but we actually get to see like more of the Sith in action, right? Like Mm. it's kind of like assassin, just kind of in the shadows. Like, um, so when Maul is introduced, that's that's always really cool to see, and just like the martial arts as well aspect, Mm. they just kind of like go like hand in hand for me, yeah, you know. And while I know this consciously, while I was watching the movie earlier this evening, uh, the scene, you know, when when Padme is talking to Jar Jar in Palpatine's uh, apartment, you know, about like, you used to think people are going to die. I, again, I know this, but like the, the establishing shot before we go inside the apartment is that very same balcony where Sidious is talking to Maul, mm. you know, 40 mm. minutes earlier in this, in the movie. And while I've always known that that makes sense, it, for whatever reason, when I was watching tonight, it just clicked with me in a particular way of like, holy crap. Padme, like the queen of Naboo is standing like mere feet from where Darth Maul was yesterday. Right. Like it just kind of blew my mind for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Tatooine is sparsely populated. If the trace was correct, I will find them quickly, master. (laughs) Move against the Jedi first. You would then have no difficulty in taking the queen back to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. (laughs) You have been well trained, my young apprentice. There will be no match for you. Swirl to a sandstorm. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you're you're right. You're right, Tiara, because it, we get to see the Sith in a different way. In the original trilogy, we get to see that the Sith, or at least the two people who are Sith, are at the top. Like they're established. Yeah. They're in charge. They don't really talk yeah. about being Sith. They don't really, uh, you know, right. put that out there. Uh, they're more just like the evil, creepy emperor and his terrifying enforcer. Um, yeah. But we do get to see the Sith. I, I almost want to say more in their natural habitat. Yeah, um, like how they actually it, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah in, in the Phantom Menace, which is, you know, working in the shadows and uh, being mm-hmm. subversive and, and all of this stuff. And yeah, the you know you get the assassin aspect of of Darth Maul and the mach- the manipulative machinations of Palpatine and all of that you know under the surface of this movie because you know obviously we, we talked earlier it's it's a lot of lightness and innocence and and fun that happened in this movie but there's always this sort of subversive undercurrent mm-hmm. as the Sith are are moving in the shadows and working to turn the goodness into something that they can take advantage of. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it's definitely, I don't know if understated, but it's a, it's definitely a part of the Phantom Menace. That's always good to remember. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the title itself indicates, you know, the, that's true. The, the very existence of the Sith. I mean, Sidious is in fact that Phantom Menace. 
Um, mm-hmm. There's something very insidious about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his name. Yeah. What? <laughs> the what? <laughs> um, uh, so I still have one thing. I know, Tiara, you've got like six. Um, so we're going to let you know. Sorry. I love that you do. Jason, you still have one left? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll. mine is one that I'm sure we'll all have something to say about. And I still have to say that when it comes down to it, if I had to pick one thing, like, you know, lightsaber to the face, like Carl, you can only pick one thing that you absolutely love about Phantom Menace. It will always be Duel of the Fates, not the piece of music, the duel itself. I mean, it is. And again, you know, if talked about this on the show several times in the past, but watching that duel on the big screen when the doors open and the choir starts and we see Maul looking up, you know, seductively behind that hood, like looking up at our, it is prey really. <laughs> it's the first time ever. Like, yes, I was only 13 years old, but even at 13, I'd seen several movies in the theaters. I had never gotten goosebumps before. I had never felt that way. And then my favorite shot have always in the duel of the fates is actually right after Anakin's taking off to go to the battle is like, ah, try to override it slaps his helmet on. And then we get this big, like wide open shot from the top down looking at the duel. I remember just little boy, Carl literally on the end of his seat in the theater and like all the hair on my arm was standing up. I felt, felt the buzz of those lightsabers as they were going at it. And, you know, when Maul picks up the broken battle droid and throws it at the control panel to open the door and Obi-Wan's walking at him like a seductress twirling a saber. Like, it's just so freaking cool. Um, You know, I love this, you know, we've seen all sorts of behind-the-scenes footage now all these years later where George was very adamant that he wanted this duel to show Jedi in their prime. You know, the original trilogy duels... I, I, I would actually contend with George. He's a little, I think the, the duels with Luke and Vader, both in Empire and Jedi, they are very powerful. Um, certainly not as fast as Duel of the Fates, but they're quicker than he gives them credit for. Um, all that to say, like, he really gave us that. He wanted to show that lightsaber combat was a martial art, right? You know, Tiara, you mentioned a moment ago about loving to see the martial mm-hmm. arts of Ray Park. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. the man himself is a well-trained martial artist and gymnast. And bringing that in, it, I've always loved that because it's this reminder of who the Jedi are at this era. You know, lightsaber combat really is kind of just a show. Like, the, it, other than like having to def- deflect blasters, they don't really duel anymore in, in the, the ages of mm-hmm. the Republic because the Sith are mm-hmm. extinct in their mind. So it's really, really exciting to get this here and to see that, you know, when, when Qui-Gon has his first duel with Maul in the desert, I've always loved that shot of him collapsing, exhausted in the, the Naboo ship and, you know, who, whatever it was, it was well-trained in the Jedi arts. You know, it's this understanding that there's, there's this artistic form to knowing how to wield a lightsaber. And I, and I love that the Jedi really encapsulate that, right? From the earliest days, like the Jedi were you know, references to the samurai references to, to like Zen monks. Like it's this idea that Mm -hmm. they're centered in body and mind, but there's also this, this form of artistic combat that they engage in, which in and of itself is almost a form of meditation, um, which is very, very in line with lots of like um, the Chinese martial art forms, uh, you know, like 
the the combat isn't the end goal. It's you, you learn the moves and the the motions is really a way of attuning to your body and, and kind of losing yourself in it. So I've always loved that 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 the duel really represents that for us. Um, and then, of course, just the simplicity of, yeah, for the next 10 years of my life, uh, I ran around pretending to recreate that duel with my cousins, with my imaginary <laughs> friends. We had we had this really awesome covered bridge over a creek in our backyard in the house I grew up in. And it was a long, narrow bridge. And I would just always pretend that that was the shield generator and I would have to wait between the walls. And I would have my Walkman strapped to my belt loop while I was listening to Duel of the Fates on my Walkman headphones. And just like running down with my Qui-Gon lightsaber from CVS, just running down the bridge. And I remember my... <laughs> My dad so many times would come home from work and open the back window and be like, hey, Jedi boy, get inside. It's time for dinner. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but uh, man, I just uh, it, it, it's like I, I God, you two. I'm just so excited for May 3rd when I get to go see that again on the big screen. Oh, it's going to be electric. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. So yeah, yeah. You're first, excited. Did you, did you not see it when it was released for 3D? Mm-mm, OK, no. that was in, I think, 2012. Oh. Um, yeah. give or take. Yeah. I only so. saw it the one time I went by myself cause I didn't have any star Wars friends in Boston at the time. So, oh man. Um, and it was, I remember, <laughs> I remember being kind of bummed cause I didn't really have anybody to share it with. Um, but that said, or actually it might've been before that Jason, I think, do you remember what year that came out? It was, it was around 2012, 20, yes, yeah, somewhere around there, give or take a year, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, there was a lot of uh, the 3D was was you know it a was lot of new. new 3D technology yeah. at the time and everyone everyone was trying to do 3D at the time mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and the whole plan was to get all of the Star Wars movies 3Dified like that yeah. um, I thought it looked good uh, f- as far as 3D because there's bad 3D out there the way they did Star Wars it looked good mm-hmm. uh, for me so can I but, can I just uh, say obviously it's not yeah, no, I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? <laughs> obviously, obviously it, it's, it is more of a, um, you know, a novelty mm-hmm. than anything else at this point. And it's, it's yeah. not something that stuck around um, yeah. as far as yeah. movies are concerned. Yeah. But, I was just yeah. going to say one of my favorite shots in that movie. Um, and I, and I'm so excited to just see it on the big screen again. It's, I've always loved that shot. It's on Coruscant at night when they're leaving to go back to Naboo and it's a shot straight down and you just, it kind of just looks like Coruscant goes down forever. And then a ship kind of like goes past us in the foreground, you know, right beneath us. I can't wait to watch that again on the big screen because it's just, it's just such a huge expansive shot. Um, and I just think Coruscant runner. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. I've actually never seen it. I mean, yeah. I, I get the reference. I've never, I've still never watched Blade Runner, but um, yeah, totally get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, that was also one of the best shots in 3d was that shot. Mm. So, um, cause it, yeah. it just, it, it, you could feel the depth of Coruscant, uh, yeah. watching it, but anyway, yeah. Duel of the fates. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, you know, it's all right. It's cool. Uh, no, I, I, yes, I agree. It, it 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 rightly deserves its place uh, in in the Star Wars fan you know discussion as arguably one of the best uh, duels in the entire series. You know, it, there's no way around it. It's it's incredible from top to bottom, from the setting to the different you know 
duelists, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, uh, the, the novelty of the double bladed lightsaber, the music and the way that it tells the story woven in with everything else that's happening uh, there uh, at the end of, of Phantom Menace. And I think Phantom Menace does the return of the Jedi hopping around uh, between mm. the different battles. Yeah. Um, better than any other Star Wars movie besides Return of the Jedi. You know, Return of the Jedi kind of set the bar, in my opinion, for that, the way that they do that. And Phantom Menace, I think, is, you know, come the closest to hitting that that mark um, out of any of the other Star Wars movies um, with the way that they jump between the different combats and, and everything and the way that this the story weaves through every cut. Um, but yeah, no, Duel of the Fates is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, Jason, what is what was the last thing you wanted to mention? Oh, uh, this one isn't going to be as exciting, but um, as Duel of the Fates, sorry. Uh, it's just based on the conversation, this is what's left on my list. Um, and that's the world building of mm. The Phantom Menace. You know, we, we really get to, you know, the, the original trilogy was great. It gave us sort of a, a foundation to, to build off of. And, and we sort of got hints to the larger galaxy and some of the political machinations that are happening out there little references here and you know hints there and stuff like that but we can't we come to the phantom menace and we we take the galaxy that we had in the original original trilogy we rewind it a bit and we expand it into widescreen basically um you know it 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 just the galaxy felt so much bigger in the phantom menace than it does in the original trilogy Hmm. Uh, there was so much more going on, so many more people, so many more colorful things. The colors, by the way, hmm. in the Phantom Menace, gorgeous. Yeah. Like, I, I, not enough to talk about it in as a segment of its own, but like the color palette used in the Phantom Menace, really spot on. Um, but uh, Joe Hogan will appreciate that comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we we not only are we we getting indigenous races like the Gungans and sort of taking a peek into their world, but we're getting, you know, the galactic Senate, we're getting the Jedi order. Uh, we're, we're expanding a place that we've been before in Tatooine mm. and adding on, you know, the pod race and all this other stuff that happens, you know, it, it's it, everything is just gets so much bigger and so much grander. And that, all of that just sucked me in as a kid. And I devoured all of like the guidebooks and the, the visual guides and, and, you know, the cross section books and anything that, you know, DK was releasing back at the time that DK would had the publishing to those, those big, <laughs> those big books uh, with the, the characters and the vehicles and everything. I devoured all of those. And the Phantom Menace is really kind of what kicked a lot of that off for me. So the world building in the Phantom Menace, top notch. Yeah. Uh, only only Star Wars movie, I think, that that does more world building than the Phantom Menace is Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And I think that's evidenced by the fact of all the things they've built off of Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, right. But, but I'm right there with you, Jason. Right? I think that's one of the best things about the prequels is the amount of world building it does. 
specifically across the first two movies. Um, I mean, right. The original trilogy, we are just kind of plopped in the middle of this galactic conflict. Um, and the worlds definitely expand as the story goes on. Um, but the, mm-hmm. but Phantom Menace especially does a really, really great job of just establishing again, a, a galaxy at peace, a, ga- a galaxy in its kind of golden age, um, and, and starts opening all these different avenues of different stories we can take off to. Um, yeah, it, you know, Phantom Menace is in a way that I would argue isn't true in um, the original trilogy nearly as much is, again, the kind of the, the, the combination of the macro and micro stories, right? Phantom Menace mm-hmm. opens with it's this big, you know, there's this galactic turmoil at the seat of the galaxy. And in, in the midst of that adventure, yeah. we stumble across this boy who's going to change everything. And then the story becomes so much more personal in attack of the clones. Um, but yeah, that I love that aspect too, Jason. Yeah. You stole my, one of mine. So no, <laughs> please be definitely oh, the yeah. world builder. Oh no, no, I mean, no, that yeah. was, that, that was the one that, you know, I had on my list was just the, the, the world building. Cause like, I just feel like there's so much range in the movie. Like we have like city mm-hmm. life and then we have rural life and then we have quad racing, which is like kind of a sport <laughs> right in yeah. this galaxy. Um, so Wars yeah, I, I, I also really, really, really love the world building. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. It it's just so spectacular. And, and and I think that's part of, you know, one of the things George Lucas was playing with is he could make everything just you know, turn everything up to 11. <laughs> and so yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, visually and, and and all of that stuff. It's just it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um so Tiara, I know you have like one big one still left, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to like mention some of the other things that you do want to mention because I'd love to hear them. Oh. Yeah, I mean, one of the big ones is just the amount of quotes I think we get mm. from Phantom Menace. Like, I feel like the prequels are very quotable yeah. <laughs> in general, but yeah. I think, like, I know George says in a few of his interviews like he's not that great at like dialogue or like like the written portion of it he's you know great at the other stuff but i feel like he does a really good job in the prequels if you pay close enough attention to what the characters are saying like one of my favorite quotes is like there's always a bigger fish and mm-hmm. just like taking that at hand just like surface level it's like well yeah like just talking about like you know aquatic the, animals the wildlife yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. but like when you take it seriously it's like there, there's always someone bigger than you right like someone who thinks like they're the this big hot shot whatever there's always someone better there's always someone like there's always more that you can improve on like just things like that like if you just take it surface level it's just some random quote about like animals but like um <laughs> when you think about it a little bit deeper i just i just feel like there's a lot to it so i think there's a lot of great quotes as from qui-gon from from a lot of the characters in the show and the in the movie <laughs> yeah. show. it yeah. is I no mean, that that's very true you know <laughs> there, there's some fantastic quotes in there uh you know there's always a bigger fish qui-gon's got some you know excellent ones you know your focus determines your reality is something that carl yes. and i you know, reference yeah. a lot uh of course yeah. you know the one of the most famous quotes about the dark side of the force is from yoda in this movie you know Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. You know, uh, it, it's it's all here. You know, we 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 get so much. And then, of course, there's just the fun stuff to quote. You know, like how rude, 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now this is pod racing. Yeah. Uh, Look, one of ours out of the main hole. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) um, We didn't hit it. It's blowing up from the inside. I know those aren't like favorite quotes, but I sure love them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh man. You're so right though. Tiara It's such a quotable movie. Uh, Jason, you and I know that very well from all of our, uh, you know, two hour plus yeah. car rides because we pretty much quote the movie. So, <laughs> yes, it's it's true. Um, and it, it's going to can happen again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Can we get a witness? <laughs> I can attest. <laughs> happens. Um, oh, man. What are, what are, what's another one for you? Um, I really liked seeing or being introduced to Padme. Right? Mm. She's one of my favorite yeah. characters too, and I think like seeing her as queen was really, really impactful. Like as a young girl, I don't know, just seeing this lady running her, you know, her world, her planet, just and then that scene when she's in the red dress and she's kind of staring off in the window, and mm. it's like, what, what do you do? Like you know your whole world is being attacked the people that you love that you're supposed to fight for that you're supposed to represent like what do you do as a woman in that situation so um that's that's another one of my favorite like parts just being able to see padme as as queen like how she is queen because she if i don't know if you read like queen of shadows right yeah. we were supposed to read it yeah, um just, we i were. was reading that I, when i rewatched <laughs> that uh, um when i rewatched that scene that's that's what i think about like her dialogue in that book and so it's just it's a lot more impactful when yeah. i rewatch it now yeah ek johnson's padme trilogy does a lot um and especially the second book of that trilogy queen's peril i mean it it, it takes place during the events of phantom menace but it's all obviously mm-hmm. from primarily padme's pov um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. If to all of you listening who are big Padme fans, uh, if you've not read the the Padme trilogy by E.K. Johnston, can't recommend it enough. It's very good. Um, and and yes. like in those books too, you also it, the thing. I mean, I'll admit, like I appreciated like having this young woman as a queen and also a democratic queen, right? Like it was cool. Like it's yeah. either, you know a recently elected queen of Naboo who will speak on our behalf recently elected. Oh, wow. We elect Queens. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, 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 it's really, really wonderful. But like the way she says all of her lines, like that very stilted dialogue, it always just was like, I don't know. I just, I, it just like didn't quite land for me, but I loved how in Queen's Peril, we learned that that was a something Panaka trained them to do to teach them how to, mm. you know, and, and Mike Chen does something similar in, in Brotherhood where he talks about how Anakin slips into a monotone, uh, mm. you know, deference whenever he's speaking to like other Jedi. Um, so I love that we've had these authors kind of come in and give a little bit more sensibility to some of these yeah. particular choices that happen on screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And obviously, you know, part, part of the, uh, the queen voice, even from a practical perspective for making the movie was probably done because it was something that both, uh, Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley could do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because, because when the scenes happen that, you know, Sabe is impersonating mm-hmm. Amadala, that's actually Kira Knightley in the Queen's costumes, you know, right. saying all the Queen's lines. It's not Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that they're being true to yeah, what's happening, a- you know, in the movie, you know, with, with the actors and stuff like that. So it's uh, 
So having that reality from the filmmaking perspective for the Queen's voice be the reality for, you know, Amidala and her handmaidens, because, you know, in case they need to cover for her, they all have to be able to do it seamlessly. You know, that makes sense. So it, it's, it is really cool. And the, the, you know, having Padme in this movie uh, as queen is, is, is really cool. And I, I, I will say I, I enjoy her having her as, as Senator in the other two prequel movies, but there's something, something really kind of special and unique about queen Amidala, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I, I really do enjoy, you know, the way that, that she's portrayed in, in the Phantom Menace a lot. Um, and yeah. her wardrobe is stunning. Right. I will yeah. say. So, yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things always about Padme in that movie is the sound her blaster makes. Um, It has a very particular sound. Um, And I I just, you always knew when she was shooting because it was the sound her blaster made. It was a very specific sound sound choice uh, that I always appreciated. Um, Tiara, you want to give us one more? Uh, Um, yeah, um, I mean, Jason kind of mentioned it too. Just like the wardrobe, I love. I loved has. I do cosplay, so and I've I've always enjoyed it since I was younger. Like I dressed up as a Jawa when I was nine. So like, <laughs> and like me and my dad like built that costume together. Like we spray painted and like went out and got like a cloak and painted my face. Like it was it was like a whole ordeal. So um, even from a young age, I've really liked like dressing up and like putting on costumes and being characters from movies. So when I watched it and I saw like specifically Padme's outfits and whatnot, and I loved the way, you know, the Jedi look like things like that, um, just like really was encapsulating. Okay, I think that's the word um, just to yeah. that's what I gravitated towards when I was when I was younger. And, and even now, I just I love their costumes. Yeah. Is there a costume from the Phantom Menace that you would love to do that you haven't done yet? There's a couple. <laughs> um, I really would love to do Shmi because she's one of my oh, favorite characters, yeah. and I just I just oh. love her outfit. I love her like little wristband there. I love mm. it seems so comfortable and like her hair. I I wore my bun. I wore my hair in a bun in high school like literally every day. Like like Shmi, so like <laughs> that's that's one that I would really love to do. Um, I really like Padme's um Tatooine outfit with like the blue long mm. sleeves and like mm. the the gray vest um i also love the when she's fighting when they go back to naboo and they are fighting the like velvety velour kind mm-hmm. of reddish outfit she's wearing yeah. um mm-hmm. i also kind of want to do qui-gon in a poncho not oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's a good one poncho qui-gon yeah so good so good poncho gin uh yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, hopefully, hopefully one of these days we'll, we'll get to see you in some of those spectacular cosplays. Um, so yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. It's expensive cosplaying can be really expensive oh, and really time consuming. So, um, there's, there's, yes. there's so much that I want to do. And specifically from that movie, there's already like three or four of them. So <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Um, oh. TR, what is like, so if you had to just pick, and maybe you already said it, but what is like your favorite thing then about Phantom Menace? The number one. Jeez. Is that is possible? Yeah, I mean, had such a hard time making my list initially, Carl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It would just be Qui-Gon. I just, mm. I, I love his character. I love what he brings to the movie. So if I had to pick one thing, it's, it's just his character. I, <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> um, I mean, he's all over my water bottle. So like, yeah. <laughs> <you know. laughs> uh, literally have him everywhere I go. <laughs> I would love if season two of Tales of the Jedi did uh, a series on Qui-Gon and we finally got the uh, Qui-Gon Obi-Wan mission to Dathmir. Not yes. Dathmir, excuse me, uh, Mandalore. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me all and the And then Obi-Wan in, in Satine. That, that'd be really cool to see, yeah. like, briefly. Yeah, it would. Absolutely. Canoodling in the back of the speeder while, <laughs> while, while Qui-Gon's flying. The, <laughs> you know. I'm... I'm canoodling is never a word i have associated with obi-wan kenobi well you're welcome uh, so <laughs> obi-wan can- i think we broke tiara oh. yeah. <laughs> just a random word <laughs> um oh man oh my goodness well all right tiara thank you for for joining us for this ridiculously fun episode about phantom menace and uh we are going to be doing lots more phantom menace throughout this year um so we would love to get you back to talk more phantom menace yes Um, yes (laughs) but uh but you know before we before we wrap this up folks uh you know we uh well hold on let me i almost screwed up my order here before we go first and foremost tiara like you said you have been doing some awesome cosplays that you do all from scratch yourself. Uh, you've been doing lots of, you've been popping up all over the star Wars, um, zeitgeist. If you will, you're on podcasts, you're on YouTube shows, you're all over the place. It's awesome to see this happening. So folks want to follow you more and see more of your content and what you're creating yourself. How, How can folks do that? Yeah. Um, so I have a YouTube channel. I don't, I have like one or two videos on there because I've, I have a couple of friends who've invited me on their YouTube channels. So you can find me on there crafting on Elam on YouTube. I'm on TikTok, which is Elam crafts because it didn't allow me to put crafting on Elam. Um, (laughs) and then, um, on Instagram, I have all of my stuff on there. So I have my online shop where I do like my, my doodles, um, that I end up putting on like merch and stuff. I'm and then I have my cosplays and I have a couple of tutorial videos, but just kind of like taking you with me on my journey of creating them. Um, so if you want to see like just cosplay inspiration, check out my Instagram, Crafting on Elam. Awesome. Yeah. And, yes. uh, and that's I-L-U-M, Elam. Uh, yes. As in yeah. the, I-L-U-M. The, the planet uh, that all the Jedi go to to get their lightsaber crystals. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Empire goes yep. to to get kyber crystals to make Death Stars, and the First Order goes yes. to to make a Star Killer base. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so it's a things. it's an important planet. Yeah. <laughs> FYI. I feel like no one really knows like the planet when I say it, or they see my name, they're like, I don't, I don't get it. And I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> Watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're goodness. we're gonna make sure everybody knows how important Elam is um, here on on the Wampas Lair because it is important. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on some of the reasons why they love the Phantom Menace, uh, where can people get in contact with us? 
Yeah, we are also on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair or shoot us an email at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And uh, any final thoughts before we close out this episode prepping us for the 25th anniversary of the Phantom Menace? Final thought. I want them, in honor of the 25th anniversary, to release the peace ball that Boss Nass gets at the end of the movie. I want to put that on a pedestal <laughs> with its glowy bulb to be my nightlight at night for the rest of my life. That's what I want, y'all. <laughs> can, can you top that, Tiara? I, it's I not a competition. I it's not a competition. It's just I my just, dreams. I really want the watches. I want Ooh. the character watches. Okay. Those, that's like... Oh, yes. Re-release those. Yeah. yeah. Re-release yeah. the character watches, the watches from 1999. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> And with that, it is time to wrap up this episode of the Wampus There podcast. This has been episode number 547. We love the Phantom Menace. Uh, for Carl and Tiara, I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>